The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. This is the Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. All right, welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT. Today's news talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you for rejoining us. Great segment in the first hour with Glenn Deason, uh, amazing geopolitical analyst, uh, very much steeped in international law, international relations, definitely the type of person we want to be talking to to try to parse out what's going on in the Middle East, in Ukraine, in the whole sort of world more broadly. We talked about the rules-based international order. I think we really put that into context correctly, that it is just a sort of cheap construct uh, that is being used right now that just totally exemplifies uh, the problems that the United States is having as a unipolar hegemon. It can no longer marshal the support of the world community based on universal principles of what's right and what's wrong. And all of a sudden the world has to follow the rules-based international order. These these rules change by the day. They're relative. There's like a sliding scale depending on what's a priority for the United States and its allies. And that's what they're going to back. Those become the new rules. That's the problem with that system. It's completely elastic and totally arbitrary and to the point now where one of the rules in the rules-based international order is that we must all stand back and support a genocide of the native Palestinian population by the illegally occupying settler state called Israel, the Zionist project called Israel. We must stand back, allow them to carry out this massacre on an industrial scale because these are the rules of the rules-based international order. And anybody that opposes that uh, is going to be called names like anti-Semite or something else. Uh, so it just doesn't really jibe with history. But there we are. We're at that point now where the system is breaking down. The unipolar moment of the United States is breaking down. And it's not breaking down because there's a lack of military prowess by the U.S. or a lack of financial prowess. It's got both of those in spades. It's breaking down because it's lacking moral prowess, ethical prowess. That's why the hypocrisy is a stench that is emanating out of Washington right now, out of London, out of some of these traditional centers of power in the West. And of course, what's going on in Tel Aviv, it's anyone's guess what's going through their head right now. It's completely mayhem. So right now, the world is in a very precarious position. What we're trying to do on this program, what we try to do in the conversation that we're having here uh, on the Patrick Henningsen Show, is to try to explain to you why things are happening, give you a broader context to understand why this event is taking place, why that country is moving in that direction, why this happened, how come nobody's doing anything about it? Is it right in relation to past uh, behaviors and past interventions? We try to sketch this out for you so you have a better understanding, not only of what you're seeing, but why it's happening. Because if you don't understand why it's happening, then you're not going to have any idea what a, an appropriate policy might be from your own government in response to something that's happening in the world. could be happening at home or could be happening internationally. So if you can't do that, then as a member of your democracy or as a member of your electorate, you're just walking around blind, basically, 
or worse, worse than blind. You're you're chained to your sofa, and CNN and the BBC are feeding you what you need to know and think, and how you should react to what's happening in the world, or to what your government or your military are doing in your name. Okay, that's even worse than being blind. Okay, you you that means you have blinders on, blinders on, worse than being blind. You're being led uh, down the garden path by whoever is in charge at the moment and that's the problem so that's what we're doing here and we think this is an important aspect of media which is not happening in the mainstream and and a lot of independent media people a lot of shock shocks uh they don't engage in any critical thinking either they're literally rehashing what they saw on fox news and to them that's that's good enough that's good enough so i think any shock jock or any uh pundit who's doing that and that think that's good enough for your audience i don't think they have a lot of respect for their audience quite frankly i've got a lot of respect for my audience i know my audience i interact with you guys i know some of you even outside of the broadcast we've we've had conversations uh we have a wonderful audience i have tremendous respect for our audience and i know that on the whole our audience wants to be better educated our audience wants to know our audience wants to know why it's happening they want to know the details that are not being said on the mainstream media they want to know all those important bits all of those interesting juicy bits that are being left out of the bbc narrative that's what we're providing for our audience. That's what we will continue to provide for our audience. That's what the show is about. That's what we're about. Okay. And we really appreciate our listeners. We've got some loyal listeners that have been with us really since the beginning of this program, also following us on 21st Century Wire and our work there, the Sunday Wire, and on other platforms as well that have been broadcasting on in the past. And I think we have a responsibility to make sure that our audience is the smartest, is the most well-informed, has got the deepest understanding of what's going on in the world. That's our goal. That's our singular goal. Nothing else. Nothing else. That is the goal of the show. When we bring guests on, that's the intention. We want to make sure that you are smarter. Why? So that when you go out and you talk about these issues with your friends, your family, your work colleagues, that you've got something to say, that you've got information maybe they don't have, and that you can go and educate them. You can go educate your work colleagues over the water cooler conversation or a tea and coffee break, or your family at the dinner table over the holidays, or strangers on the street that you might encounter uh, in the city or when you're in transit and you're having a conversation about what's going on in the world. That you can enlighten them a little bit, take them out of that sort of mind prison that the mainstream media has uh, kept them in for so long and bring them out into the light a little bit so they can have a better understanding of what's happening in the world and how they should be reacting to the politicians who are doing all of this in their name all around the world and to the far corners of the recesses of the Middle East, Asia, South America, Central America, Africa, and so on. Okay, that's our singular mission here. And I really, really appreciate you guys for supporting us and also supporting this network and this type of work. Okay, much, much appreciated. I have to say that and put that on the record once in a while because I don't think you hear it enough. And thank you to everybody. I see you guys in the TNT chat room. You're all amazing. 
and we really appreciate all your support and following this program, sharing our links as well, following us on X Twitter and our platforms as well. We really appreciate that too. That support is invaluable. Now, we touched on so many important issues with our last guest. That was a real marquee interview with Glenn Deason and uh, myself having studied international relations at the postgraduate level, as difficult as that was, that is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Okay. I thought I knew it. I thought I knew it all. I went in there as a mature student <laughs> thinking that I could teach my professors everything. Uh, and I learned a thing or two uh, through that process. And it was a very uh, humbling experience for me, but also a period of great growth. Uh, when I graduated uh, from that, when I got my master's in 2018, uh, when I walked away with that paper and in very good standing, my degree, by the way, um, I, I felt at that point that I had an opportunity that I realized, which was to expand my understanding of things, even expand my understanding of the language of the UN and these international institutions that are faulty and flawed to the core, but you still need to understand the language because there's a lot of diplomats running around. There's a lot of NGOs running around. There's a lot of multilateral institutions running around who are doing stuff. And they're, they're involved in all of the stories that we talk about now. So that was a great experience for me. I had a chance to under, expand my understanding, read books, be exposed to material that I would never have read by authors, academics, professors, scholars that I would never have read. And I think it's uh, very informative in building up my better a better understanding of who I'm talking to. Even when you're talking to somebody that you disagree with, who has a completely opposite worldview than you, whose value systems is totally different than you, you'd be arguing with them. You'd, you'd consider them your adversary. But if you can just understand them a little better, there's a good chance you can find some common ground. When we can find some common ground with the people that we disagree with or they don't see the issue the same way you do, but having that extra bit of education, that extra bit of reading and understanding of their side, finding what's motivating them, bringing them into the middle, and then finding things that you can agree on, that's the basis for diplomacy that's the beginnings of finding peaceful settlements and without that as we talked about with glenn Deason in the last hour we really don't have a chance so we all have to make an incredible effort to try to help educate each other try to build that little middle ground that we can start that's a launching pad for better things for humanity in the future that is my two cents uh, for this segment let's take a break however and i want to connect basil valentine on the other side our correspondent our trusted commentator he's got some breaking updates we're going to hear those in a minute i'm patrick henningson we'll be right back Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both of those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society 
are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT Radio. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. We're now our number two of this live broadcast. Thank you for coming along for the ride. TFI Fridays, thank you. It's coming to an end the week, but things are just heating up, just beginning. We're going to unveil something in the next hour with Matthew Lee from Intercity Press. He has been working on the Epstein case. By the way, nobody does this case better than Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press. He's been on the front lines of this with Ghislaine Maxwell, that trial previously in New York. He's right there. He's been there the whole time. We're really privileged to be able to talk to him uh, later in just a couple of minutes. In fact, we'll connect him directly on the ground in New York City from the Southern District of New York Court in New York. So listen, I want to switch gears right now. I want to welcome onto the call Basil Valentine, our trusted cohort and commentator. Basil, how are you today? Very well. Uh, thank you, Patrick. And good afternoon to our listeners all around the world. Basil, in terms of uh, what's on the headlines right now, what's breaking, there's been some pretty extraordinary events. We've talked about some of those in the previous hour right now. Uh, give us your your thoughts on the breaking news right now. Uh, well, just this morning, the Jordanians have said they're backing the South African genocide case, uh, which is significant. Obviously, Israel has been cultivating its relationship with Jordan, hoping no doubt that they would take some Palestinian refugees. But they're backing the genocide case, along with Malaysia. Um, Remains to be seen if any other Arab countries do. Uh, And the Israelis keep piling on with the genocidal rhetoric. The Minister of Heritage, of all things, Amitai Eliyahu, quoted today as saying Israel should find ways more painful than death for the Palestinians. Extraordinary. And uh, sadly, he's right, because at least a thousand children have had a limb amputated without anesthetic, which is surely more painful than a quick death. So unfortunately, bloodthirsty Eliyahu seems to be getting his way. Unbelievable. Um, there's been some shocking things said, uh, especially from that camp. Um, it's really unbelievable. I, I think, Basil, am I, am I right in saying, and you saw you know, the uh, the clips that you've been sharing as well, uh, which were in, in British media, uh, these comments on Israel, I mean, openly stating their genocidal atten- uh, intent at a time when South Africa has filed the genocide convention. Bad timing, but are, are some of these officials... Are they going to be hoisted by their own petard? Well, you, I mentioned yesterday Tsipi Hotoveli, the uh, Israeli ambassador to the court of St. James, saying on LBC that uh, every school, mosque, uh, hospital, and every other house 
in Gaza had to be destroyed because uh, in her fevered imagination, they all contain uh, access points to Hamas tunnels uh, and therefore have to be erased. Now, that's widely been interpreted as a call for genocide and as such is in contravention of Article 3 of the 1949 Genocide Convention to which both Britain and Israel are signatories and which is enforceable in law in the UK. It is clear uh, incitement uh, to genocide. So she should be arrested. And uh, Owen Jones was saying exactly that in a video he posted this afternoon. And others have been saying the same thing, MPs calling for her expulsion. Of course, we hear absolutely nothing from uh, the UK authorities. Similarly, uh, footage has emerged on social media of an Anglo-Israeli soldier going from a house to house in Gaza, just generally destroying things, uh, stealing money, uh, or claiming that he's looking for weapons, which, of course, he doesn't find. And uh, it's been highlighted by several people on X that he should be arrested for war crimes upon his return to the UK. I mean, they, you know, the scale of the, of the disaster uh, in Gaza is only getting worse by the day. Uh, only today, the you know the south and central areas, Khan Yunis and Rafa, were bombed. These are precisely the areas to which Israel said Palestinians should evacuate. 168 people killed, uh, thousand you know hundreds more injured. Um, so you know it's an absolutely desperate situation. And what do we get from European ministers? Well, the German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock. Uh, has said that uh, our position on the so-called day after is very clear. There must be no occupation of the Gaza Strip, no expulsions, and no reduction in the size of the territory. Israel and the Palestinians would only be able to live side by side in peace if the security of one means the security of the other, she added. Okay, but uh, what about, never mind the day after, what about today, you know? Uh, she is due to travel to Israel on Sunday for what will be her fourth visit since the outbreak of the war. Tony Blinken, of course, is due to arrive in the Middle East tonight. Um, while in Israel, Baerbock will hold talks with her new Israeli counterpart, Israel Katz, who um, I quoted yesterday as saying he doesn't think that there should be any water allowed in Gaza until they all leave. She'll also be meeting Isaac Herzog, who's been signing rockets and missiles, um, as well as she's going to meet Palestinian Authority President, the octogenarian incompetent Mahmoud Abbas, and Riyad al-Maliki, the Palestinian Foreign Minister as well. She's also going to go to Egypt and Lebanon, the talks will apparently focus on the dramatic humanitarian situation. Extraordinary choice of adjective, dramatic. Um, the situation in the West Bank and the volatile situation on the Israel-Lebanon border, as well as the efforts to secure the release of more hostages. Meanwhile, Yoav Gallant, 
the Israeli defense minister, one of those at the forefront of the genocide, has said that uh, after Hamas has been defeated, an undefined Israeli-guided Palestinian body would run the day-to-day -day administration of the Gaza Strip with the United States, European Union and regional partners taking responsibility for the reconstruction of the territory. Right. Oh. So Israel levels it, and then it's up to the European Union and whoever else they can strong arm to play for rebuilding it. Gallant is due to meet Blinken today after growing pressure from Washington, apparently, for Israel to make proposals for post-war scenarios. Oh, so the rebuilding effort, Basil, the cha-ching, the, uh, cha I can hear the money. Cha-ching, cha-ching, the contracts. Uh, are, are the Western countries going to get those contracts? Or are the Israelis going to get them? Because uh, that's always what they do. They have the aid, then they use Israeli contractors to do the building. So both the Western NGO and corporation makes money and the Israelis make money off the rebuilding of the bomb site uh, in, when they flatten northern Gaza. That seems to be the business plan or the business model. What is the point Basel. of rebuilding it? What is the point of rebuilding it if it could happen again? Uh, you know, what is the point of rebuilding it if it is not part of a sovereign state with all the protections that that entails? You know, it's just absolutely meaningless. Of course, it's all got to be rebuilt. Of course, it has. Um, but uh, this is a you know, really sort of, you know, note the arrogance as well that it would be an is Israeli guided. Everywhere in the world we hear, you know, the State Department saying only yes, it's up to the Pakistani people to choose their government. Uh, this after the United States, of course, orchestrated the coup that resulted in the deposing of Imran Khan and then mm -hmm. speaking out of the other side of their mouths, they suddenly start talking about uh, free and fair elections. Uh, what about the Palestinian people choosing their leadership? Yeah, no, 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 no. We're the, the, they'll choose the government. They'll choose the leader. They'll choose how it's going to go. So the whole thing is controlled opposition, ideally. And the only thing they can't control is Gaza, unfortunately for them. So Blinken has now arrived in Istanbul, apparently, where he's going to meet his counterpart, Hakan Fidan, the Turkish foreign minister and uh, Erdogan uh, tomorrow and will then fly to Greece later in the day before arriving in Israel on Monday. He's likely to get quite a thick ear from the Turks, isn't he? Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. He's probably there to dial down some of the Turkish opposition because there's a lot of pressure on Erdogan right now who sets himself out as a kind of Islamic leader of his people. And so he basically has some responsibilities, some obligations regarding Palestine, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, for instance. Uh, and he's got to be taking a hard line on that and not just talking a hard line, but like showing some action in terms of sanctions, at least, or some kind of breaking off diplomatic relations with Israel. Extraordinary that more countries haven't severed diplomatic relations with Israel. Think about how many people withdrew diplomatic relations with Russia after the SMO was 
launched in February 2022. You can't compare the the the, the damage or devastation done there versus what we've seen over the last uh, 10, 10 or 12 weeks, uh, Basil. It's absolutely extraordinary. We're going to break in a moment, but uh, your your final uh, your your final bits before we we go to break. Go ahead, Basil. Uh, one other little nugget worth um, highlighting: CNN, our old friends at Cable News Network. Apparently, they have to run all their Gaza coverage past Jerusalem, uh, where it comes under the remit of the Israel Defense Forces censor, uh, which detects subjects that are off limits for news organizations to come cover, censors articles it deems unfit or unsafe to print. This is The Intercept reporting that the Military recently restricted eight subjects, including security cabinet meetings, information about hostages, and reporting on weapons captured by fighters in Gaza. In in order to maintain press pass in Israel, foreign reporters must sign a document agreeing to abide by the dictates of the censor. Wow, uh, that's the only democracy in the Middle East. I thought uh, that's that's the only democracy in the Middle East, uh, we're told. That's right. right. Interesting. That's right. so, sounds like Zelensky's Ministry of Information in Ukraine. Not much difference there. Basil, yeah, that's pretty interesting detail there. I want to go follow up on that story, The Intercept. So we'll try to drop that into the uh, TNT chat room as well. Great find there, Basil. Incredible story. Basil Valentine, appreciate you joining us here. I hope you have a great weekend. Take care. Thank you, Patrick. See you next week. We're going to go to break right now, and on the other side, I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to connect with Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press. going to be joining us on the live link to find out the latest on the Epstein case. What is going on? Are the documents dropping? Are the names dropping? There's a lot more detail in this. Nobody knows it better than Matthew. We'll connect with him in just a moment, so stay right there. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at this stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats. 
no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Patrick Henningsen and TNT. All right, welcome back, welcome back. This is the final segment of the final hour, this live broadcast on Friday, and we're going to go pivot hard uh, back to the Big Apple. Matthew Russell Lee, Inner City Press, is going to join us on the line right now. Everybody's talking about the big story with the uh, latest revelations, uh, the documents that were dropped uh, in the Jeffrey Epstein uh, case, the investigation. Uh, we'll get some information, uh, some enlightenment on this issue with our guest, Matthew Russell Lee, Inner City Press. Nobody knows this issue in depth as well, arguably as well as Matthew does because he spent so much time on it and with the Gislaine Maxwell trial previously. There's also a book out which Matthew has published on his experiences covering that trial. He's joining us on the line right now. Matthew, welcome to the program. Sure, glad glad to be with you. And it is true that I mean, I don't want to say that it's that it was. Uh, first, it's important to recognize that these documents are coming from a civil lawsuit. It's the lawsuit by one of the Epstein accusers, Virginia Jufre, uh, against Maxwell. And so these were filed in that case, but under seal. And and the judge Loretta Preska said there's no reason to keep many of these under seal. Although there is still some stuff under seal, and that's given rise to, of course, more. It, it's so basically, over the last two days, each time at about 7 p.m. in terms of New York time, um, the the parties, meaning the lawyers for Jufre and the lawyers for Maxwell, Maxwell's in jail, but her lawyers remain on the outside, unsealing documents, have put up, you know, 900 pages here. There's still more pages. This is not over. Um, I think what kills me, I, I have, I'll just go this as an aside. I think it, many people say it's overblown, that there's not much new here. Um, what's funny is that these are the, the sort of dismissive statements of big media that really ignored or helped kind of cover up this story through much of it. And now that it's sort of hit peak Epstein, they're very dismissive of, oh, you know, we Bill Clinton mentioned we knew uh, Prince Andrew went to the island. We knew that. I'm going to start with one. What I tried to do is to glean over the last two evenings I've, as they've come out, I've, I've you know, hit uh Actually, it's on a terminal in the press room here because Court Listener, which is a free way that people could see it, that I, I, it's it's a website that I love that takes these usually for pay um, court documents. And if as long as somebody has paid the 10 cents a page to view them, you can view them for free. But during these past two days, it's been the site went down for overuse of people like, you know, wanting to zero in. But I try. So here I, I taking screenshots off the 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 the. Um, computer in the press room. Here's one. This is just a sample document. Uh, and, and I think it's this is why when people say there's not much here and focus on like Michael Jackson, I think they may be missing it. So this was a deposition of Jufre, the the, the accuser um, um, by by Maxwell's lawyer. And she says, OK, name the other politically connected and financially powerful people that Ghislaine Maxwell told you to have sex with. Answer. They instructed me to go to George Mitchell. You know, that is John Jean-Luc Brunel. This was a a, a, a um, model scout, also dead in, in mysterious circumstances. Bill Richardson, of course, he also passed. May he rest in peace. But he's there. He is another prince. I don't know his name. A guy that owns a hotel. This is a all direct quote. A really large hotel train. I can't remember which it was. Marvin Minsky. There was another, you know, foreign president. I can't remember his name. He was Spanish. 
So of course I I dropped a little footnote. Or could it be Portuguese? But but in any event, the the these are the kind of you know it, so so you can't say that this many of the the would this stand up in a court of law? Who is the Spanish president? Who is the hotelier? You could probably figure that one out. But the you know I was talking with some colleagues here before in preparation for this segment, and they you know they were saying. For example, nobody knew that the, the 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 magician David Copperfield went to Epstein's house for dinner, did magic tricks, and seemed to have a knowledge that girls were being paid to bring more girls over to the mansion. So it's not very good for David Copperfield. Then again, he's not the Spanish, the unknown, the unnamed. Let's call him maybe Lucifone. I don't know what, if there's a word that captures those two. There's also you know Michael Jackson. Um, I won't say I don't think it it was what it was what what the the really hardcore um, Epstein Epstein aficionados let's put them not that they like Epstein but they're very into this case we're looking for nor do I think it's the end of it so I think it's just another it's another step down the road but as as some you know as both Judge Preska and I think Jufre it's another step there's more more things come out more things show how of course the the Florida investigation of Epstein was was. Um, you know, very much swept under under the carpet. Basically, he was allowed to plead to use of underage prostitutes, um, which made it a much smaller charge rather than like global sex trafficking, which really is what it would seem what it became later became later. And I think the real story here is that people knew like as far back as 2006 when he made that plea, everybody knew, but nobody stopped it. And then it metastasized and how far it went beyond, you know, Spanish president is one thing. Uh, who else? Who else is on the hook for these tapes? I don't think that that answer we have it yet from these two, at least the first two days of these these document drops. So I wanted to try to put it in context for you. It's not uh, I kind of it's sort of what I thought it would be just because having looked at these documents in sealed form, you could see that it wasn't it wasn't people were like, where's the list? Like there's going to be a comprehensive list. The other thing to remember, in fairness, is that just because someone is mentioned, for example, Stephen Hawkins, right? You, the, the the famous scientist. I'll, I'll, re I'll read you another document because I think it's better to, to read. This is a really strange one. This was an email from Epstein to GMAX, who you know who that is, uh, January twelfth, two thousand fifteen. Hmm. You can issue you can issue a reward to any of J Virginia's friends, meaning Virginia Jufres, and acquaintances and family that come forward and help prove her allegations are false. The strongest is the Clinton dinner and the new version in the Virgin Islands that Stephen Hawkins practiced, um, participated in an underage or orgy. Now, I've, I've heard it reported that this proves that Stephen Hawkins was in an underage orgy. I don't think it does. I think it's kind of Epstein in a very typo filled email to Maxwell, definitely saying, let's pay people to discredit our accuser. But I think bringing bringing up the basically either name checking existing conspiracy, you know, existing allegations that were out there um, or sort of it may this may have been a joke. You know what I mean? So when you see the name Stephen Hawkins, it's also he doesn't really move. I'm not saying that he could. I don't want to be politically incorrect and say that sex is always involves actual movement. It could be a microaggression, but he's in a wheelchair. So I don't know. You know, so take it as you take it as you will. There's. There's, of course, you know, there, there's a, there, one of the most damning ones. There was a, a heretofore not not as well known um, uh, victim who's who's she was the one that said that that uh, uh, um, some depositions came out and, and they seem to again, you, you can't prove there was one that said that that um, 
Bill Clinton had threatened Graydon Carter, right? This is the, the Vanity Fair editor that ended up sort of going soft on the investigation. I don't. I think it's been pretty much shown that Clinton himself didn't do it. It may have been a Clinton associate. It does seem that these documents do seem to show that a dead cat was delivered to Graydon Carter's home to, to sort of send him a message. Who's, who put the cat, though? Seems like it's coming from the Epstein side. Um, and then some of the discussion is how did he get the dead cat? But, you know, not necessarily that difficult. So I don't know. I, it may be less than you would, you, you would even expect it. But I'm trying to give you an accurate, uh, an accurate. It definitely shows that Andrew went to the island and was pretty clearly involved in this. And that's probably why he settled and has been removed somewhat from the, from the royal family over there. Yeah, I, th I think that's so, a good point. That's a good point you're making there, Matthew, which is that there's there's lots of names, but there's certain names that seem to have a high frequency of interactions mm -hmm. and mo going to the island. And there's other names that are incidental and maybe not featuring as heavily, might not be involved in crimes. So you have to, parsing these two things out, um, it takes a little bit of work and you got to be thinking a little bit, a little bit of consideration cross-referencing on that because not everybody, not every name in these documents is a... Uh, a guarantee that they're involved in sex trafficking or a crime. So that's an important, I think, point. I think you. I think that's what correct. You're no, no, that's exactly. It, it, yeah. You usually. I mean, I'm sometimes. You know, you'd think that I'd be like, "Wow, look, they've got the name." I don't know. It's not just that. It's not just that it's Stephen Hawkins. It's just. I'm just saying. You just have to look at each document, and and I think people are going to continue to pour. You know, they will continue to pour over it, and uh, uh, you know, they, I guess the overall thing is also like, where did Epstein get his money? That seems to be the big. Right. That's the you know, it seems to me that he, one of his one of his clearly co-participants, uh, Wexner of, of department store fame, seems like he got some compromising material because this he's the guy who gave him the, the, the Manhattan mansion for a dollar and, and did all of his investment through Epstein. So this this seems to be a blackmailing relationship. What I've heard a lot of people talking about in the last few days is, is again, the idea that Epstein was somehow working for the government, maybe as a money launderer. In the sense mm -hmm. that he had, when he was arrested, they found multiple passports in in the mansion. Now, some of it was ex uh, he explained it as saying, or his lawyers did, um, that that when you travel to Israel, if you get your 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 passport stamped Israel, there were many countries where you then couldn't travel to. That's less true now, as you know. Although it may go back to being that we may be headed in that direction. But so, who helped him get the double passports, and whether he wasn't in some way he may be working for you know this was like. You know, you have like if you harken back to like Iran Contra, there's always people that want to get money to people that they don't want to be seen getting money to. And what mm -hmm. better way than a sort of murky, quote unquote, hedge fund advisor who also is like basically running one rich guy's money who who you apparently got video of. It's unclear why Wexner was such a Jeffrey Epstein acolyte. But that that that, that nut hasn't been cracked yet. But I do actually. Just maybe as even as, as a transition to other things, the first document, ironically, in the first do of, the, of the ones unsealed, the very first one was a kind of a complaining email by Ghislaine Maxwell about how unfair it all was. And with with the notation right at the bottom, her main self-identification was this thing called the Terramar Foundation. And if there's nothing else that your your, your view, I want your viewers to remember is that beyond Michael Jackson, beyond even you know, Bill Richardson may rest in peace. There is a big UN connection here. And it's, this is not a, this is not a Stephen Hawkins, just one mention. Ghislaine Maxwell with this Terramar Foundation, which was a kind of a very, I think, kind of dubious 
um, fig leaf undersea foundation to sort of re rehabilitate her her image once she became known as a sex trafficker. Well, the UN was very happy to help with that. So they invited her in. She got not just a press conference, but a, a presentation in something called the ECOSOC Chamber, as if she were a diplomat. There's video of that. I've done I've done a number of back in the day I was doing a, a Maxwell song every week. I use that video because it's amazing. But beyond that, Mr. Antonio Guterres, this is why I'm going back to the Spanish president rotation. He had one of only five um, representatives on the board of directors of Terramore Foundation, which is it's only five. It's not like it's a big honorary board with 20 people. That seems very problematic. And it's something I certainly the, the, the journalists inside the UN haven't pursued, but I really haven't seen others pursue it because it's kind of people that here's the thing. This is like a pinata. Everyone wants to kind of go after their political enemies using this incredibly fertile ground. So I've seen I've seen I can't tell you how many times in the last three days I've seen the clip of Epstein and Trump. Right? There's this one video where they seem to be kind of laughing and pointing. Now, Trump has said himself that he had a falling out with Epstein, and did, you know, but that. So I've even seen them talking about Clinton, but in the TV news using the Trump video again and again and again and again, just to kind of drive it home. Um, I don't want to say that I'm the, the and yet a, an actual factual connection. The secretary general one of only five representatives on Ghislaine Maxwell's nonprofit board that was propped up by the UN. Where's the follow through? So that's a that's one thing I'm not going to rest on, Patrick. I can I can assure you. Uh, well, but I do. Speaking of Trump, go ahead. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Matt. No, no, it's fine. I don't mean to to to. to no, no, I was just going to say we we both know that uh, uh, you know heaven forbid the UN or any of its agencies would ever be used as a front for any kind of human trafficking. <laughs> I mean that's just out of the realms of speculation, Matthew. Totally. What are you talking when about? When you have diplomatic pouches that are not that are not. Uh, I mean, literally, when I was reporting inside the UN, forty kilos of cocaine were found in the UN in the in the UN mailroom. I heard about it from a guy that was working there, 40 kilos. And 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 somebody that worked there, they were just going to hush it up. In fact, so then I reported it that basically like a lowly worker in the UN mailroom was like, hey, there were cops over here because the, the UN was trying to hand it over like it wasn't. And this was their story. So I wrote a story. Others followed up on it and said, oh, no, this is all this was just mistakenly sent to the UN. The UN, this is not a UN story. This was just mis, you know, the, the mailing label was wrong. <laughs> I don't know. It seems to make a lot of sense that you would use the UN because the mail to it is not searched, you know. So they they very quickly covered that one up. But this is and and it's the same is true with moving people around. And I mean, I also think that this this issue of of UN peacekeeper sexual abuse can, in a sense, it's different than sex trafficking in the sense that the people being trafficked trafficked are the abusers and not the abused. So what happens is that the UN sends they're so. The UN really operates in two in, in in sort of parallel tracks. There's the high profile track, which is right now Gaza, right? Like everyone's looking at, and many people praise the UN for for the statements they make. I I, I see like if you were a UN official today, you're going to do very well for yourself, saying I'm I'm heartbroken. There's guys rushing to film so, you know selfies of themselves at Rafa, all of this stuff. The rest of the UN does a kind of mediocre and really really, you know, sexual abuse laden job in places like the Central African Republic, DRC, Sudan. I don't know if people know, more than 7.5 million Sudanese have been displaced in the last two months. And you don't hear really beans about it, not just from, I'm not blaming, you know, the people that are covering the Epstein trial, but the UN is supposed to care as much about Sudan as, 
but there's not there's no money in it for them, so they don't talk about it. But what they do do is in places like the DRC and the Central African Republic, they're, they're France, which is losing its power in Africa, uses the UN to sort of try to police these areas by sending in peacekeepers. The only peacekeepers they can find are from African countries like Burundi. These are vicious militaries, many who abuse their own people and view deployment to the Central African Republic as a as a sex vacation, basically. The number of sexual abuse cases that have been caused by UN peacekeepers and CAR is shocking. And what pro the problem is when it's found out, and we're not talking, these are not just consensual, quote unquote, going to prostitutes and, you know, flexing your blue helmet or whatever. These are children, children of these places raped by peacekeepers. And the only thing that happens to the peacekeeper is they get flown back to Bujumbura. And, and the UN and, and the people sitting in the press room asking question after question about Gaza don't give a damn about that. These the UN itself even data dumps these 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 cases of rapes and repatriation. And that's it. Nobody says like what happened to the victims or wait, what's the follow through? They never get prosecuted. So I consider that to be sex trafficking in reverse. It's the it's the trafficking of the abusers. And many of these people can be redeployed. There's no system in place to say you're not going to send the same guy out. Oh, maybe not to CAR. This time it'll be DRC. And I think it's really it's a it's an outrage that that taxpayer dollars are funding sex vacation for dictators troops. But there's that's where we that's stand. Deep institutional corruption. And Matthew, you've been very proactive in getting a lot of documents unsealed in some very high profile cases here relating to Epstein. In fact, um, is there any more that needs to be, uh, th there must be a lot more that could be unsealed. Are you uh, looking at this a possibility? Sure. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking at it very closely. I, I'll say it. I, and again, I try to hit them where they ain't. Let's put it this way. I don't, I, I appreciate you saying like, I'm very into this case, like the Maxwell trial, I covered it extremely closely. There's people, I mean, you have to, I, I just checked before we, 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 we went on air, like the independent of the UK has like a live blog of the documents. I, I feel that there's, I'm going to be, the, I'm going to call it, there's sufficient scrutiny at this point, at this point, sufficient scrutiny on these particular Epstein documents. I mean, I'm I'm looking at them, and I can imagine doing a filing. But I've already seen some other people have done filings. It's, there was a, a lawyer for uh, for Alan Dershowitz is trying to get some things unsealed. Meanwhile, in other cases, for example, there's a case here in SDNY in the Southern District of New York courthouse called Darius Paduce. The guy was like a male urologist, abused his his, and and the government DOJ it, did a filing last week to try to seal the name of the people that would have co-signed the bond for Paduce. That is to say, again, I'm not trying to say that they're enablers of sexual predation, but why should the government be trying to seal to seal that? So I did a filing in that case because no one else was doing it. The, 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 the judge has docketed it. I think that's going to get unsealed. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. I think like, I think, and I think I don't, this is a civil case. So, so the government as such, Department of Justice hasn't taken any position on these particular documents. But it's it's troubling. The thing that I try to, try to focus on is, is, I understand private litigants wanting to keep their names private, but I think the government, the DOJ, they shouldn't be in the business of trying to like cover up facts in their own criminal cases. I understand if you're the name of your FBI undercover maybe, but often they're helping the, the defendants. In the case of Sam Bankman-Fried, just for example, I did file, the, was the first to file and, and prevailed on on unsealing the, the those who signed the bond for Bankman Freed. But in that case, they were able 
Bankman Freed's lawyer said the government takes no position on this ceiling. And I've gone to a press conference with the U.S. attorney here and said, how can you t- like it? See it because that speaks volumes to a judge. It basically says, like, no problem here. And I think like justice should be done in public. If you're if you're the government and you're threatening people with massive sentences or 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 giving them sweetheart deals, all of it should be in, in public. You know, people can second guess it and maybe they think they're doing God's work. But we have a right to know why what they're doing and why they're doing it. So that's the that's that's kind of the, what I'm focusing on over here. Often where the same thing has happened in a crypto case about um, one coin where the government took no position on the co-founders sealing of all of their sentencing letters. So that, I've even appealed that one to the Second Circuit. And I'm proud to say the brief is due in March and, and it's it's the whole transparency machinery is coming along. And I really like it. It's not it's without what I like here as opposed to in the U.N. If I did this in the U.N., which I did, even though there's no laws there, they just rough you up and throw you out. Here they kind of can't. They don't necessarily like it, but there is again. I'm not. I don't want to be Pollyanna. There's a lot of there's a lot of murky stuff going on in the U.S. And I'm sure, but I, I'm something of a believer in that. You know, you have to. You can't go. I'm sure if I, I just try. I try to keep things respectful, but 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 pretty persistent, and it seems to be working. So I'm I'm, I'm happy with that. Speaking of which, let's let's enough about me, Patrick. What about Trump? What about the Orange Man? As always, there is an update. There are several updates. Um, in in he's moved for sanctions. Trump has gone on the offensive. Yes, he's a defendant in many cases, but he has asked for sanctions against Jack Smith, the prosecutor. Why? Because even Judge Chutkan, she stayed her case. She said, "I acknowledge that the appeal to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals of immunity is a big deal, and so while that's pending, the case is slapped. That's why." Most people said it's not going to go forward in March because it stayed pending appeal. It may it may revive. And she said this case has stayed. Meanwhile, Jack Smith has continued working. So Trump, Team Trump put in a thing and said, we want sanctions against this Smith. So I don't think they're going to get it, given the judge, given the whole lay of the land. But it, it was a savvy move. In other news, and this is this may be breaking to you, I believe yesterday or this morning, um, some in Illinois have tried to knock Trump off the ballot over there. Already we have Colorado off the ballot, Minnesota off the ballot, and now there's this petition in Illinois. So I think it, it makes it even more clear. Next time, maybe as early as next Friday, maybe the Friday after that, we will be speaking about the Supreme Court uh, weighing, weighing in on this. Meanwhile, the progressives want Clarence Thomas to be totally outside of this case, I guess because, it, I mean, they don't like him. They, they think he's pro-Trump, but I think his the idea is that his wife got very involved in the effort to to look into the the 2020 election so they think that he's tainted by that i don't think he's going to do himself but we'll see there's not a lot of rules maybe he should actually but it doesn't i th- i still th- i think with or without clarence thomas trump can win trump can win that at least that you know and so he's he's as we speak in iowa i think he's he's all day stomping his rounds out there in advance of the the caucuses and the big question is like how badly will Nikki Haley beat Ron DeSantis for second place? That's that's mm-hmm. what we've we've that's the, that's the whole. And then the question is, if somebody takes out Trump, then Nikki is there. She is. She's got the funders and she's waiting. She's positioned herself. She's taken yeah. all the you know, she's she's made herself into a foreign policy expert. And <laughs> here we are. You know? <laughs> it's pretty having been at the U.N., I could say it's it's not. Uh, but, she, you know, she says she says the things that she says. She was at the UN and she could have cleaned it up and she didn't. This is my I'm going to the to to to, to not to the right, but to the uh 
where's the beef on uh, uh let me say this about uh miss uh miss haley i've never seen anybody speak with such confidence brimming confidence when what the actual words coming out of her mouth are completely nonsensical and in some cases totally divorced from reality and the laws of the universe as we know it i mean it is just she's a kind of quite a phenomenon in that respect she is yeah yeah She's got a my I agree. I actually I had a I held a whole bunch of other things, including a Russian billionaire suing Sotheby's. But I think if I'm giving you in, in a half an hour a flavor of the US political legal sphere, we have to return again to Eric Adams. Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, has sued bus companies from Texas. Okay. So for the past two years, Abbott, Governor Abbott of Te of, of, of Texas has been arranging buses, people trying to raise the profile or, or make Democrats feel the pain of open borders. He's been putting people that cross the border on buses to New York. And so this has caused what's called the migrant crisis here. Uh, they're cutting the budget. They're saying they can't afford it. So Eric Adams said no buses can arrive except between 8.30 and 12.00 new 30 noon on 41st Street. So uh, uh, Abbott and the buses on Stupid they just drive the bus to New Jersey and the, New Jersey doesn't want the problem, the, 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 the expense. Right? And so they put them on on New Jersey transit into New York City. So Eric Adams has sued the bus companies for hundreds of millions of dollars. But here's the killer. And this it's using a 19th century New York state statute. It's kind of like the statute they're suing Trump under. Right. Where even if the bank doesn't want defrauded, it's a it's a it's a crime against the state to misstate the size of your apartment. Now, Eric Adams is suing it under a law that makes it makes it illegal to bring indigent people into New York, which I thought they I thought these guys were total believers in the Statue of Liberty and Emma Lazarus and bring us your tired and your hungry and your poor. It's it's a total hypocrisy. It's I mean, it's shocking. It's shocking that I understand that there's a budget problem but using a law that makes it illegal for for the very wretched that we're supposed to be welcoming. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a it's it's that's a case, and and I don't see anyone talking about it. There, are all the Democrats have said, "God bless Eric Adams. He's fighting." Okay, you want to fight Governor Abbott? That's fine, but you're using a you're you. I think the statute's gonna can't stand either. So I don't think that the bus companies are gonna pay. And if it's not New Jersey, they're gonna find another way. This is a problem that's and it's I, I at least until the election, there's gonna be no solution. Unbelievable. Eric Adams. Wow. When is the election coming? That's going to be an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, 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 that's just the, 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 the use of these laws. And see, you'll see a lot of legal reporting that doesn't actually say what the law is, right? They just say Eric Adams has sued text. So it sounds really like, well, great. But if you actually look at the law they're using, it's like, really? This is your position? You know, so oh, we we're going to run out of time in a moment, Matthew. So we're, I think okay. we're wrapping up this segment, but like, this is just one of many stories that have totally flipped the, 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 the Democrat Republican paradigm on its head or what people yeah. think are totally. uh, the, totally. these sort of divisive issues. And you have the, the real pressure coming and then people make decisions based really on practical uh, pragmatic decisions to totally shatters the political paradigm, which I find hilarious but also disturbing in equal measure um but matthew russell lee inner city press appreciate the updates this week sure. on tnt definitely trump adams and of course epstein
Yeah, Jeff is uh, a, a figment of everybody's uh, imagination. He lives rent-free in everybody's head still. <laughs> uh, absolutely incredible. Matthew Russell Lee, thank you very much. Also, big thank you to Glenn Deason, geopolitical analyst from Norway. Basil Valentine, of course. What a fantastic program we've had today. What a great week it's been on this program. But there's a lot more coming so see us on Monday, same time, same place. We'll be right here. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Stay with TNT, today's news talk, 24-7, 365. It's all here, folks. Have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday.